0: Hi everyone. Before we begin, please be advised that this podcast does contain adult themes, and it is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised.
1: It's incredibly overwhelming for a woman. Her healing process is, they say, the most complicated, um, similar to a war veteran's um, PTSD. She's going through so much. There's usually drug addiction involved. You know, a year of learning life skill sets that she may be missed because a pimp's been controlling everything in her life can become incredibly overwhelming to try to cram into one year. And so we really wanted to offer something that is not a handout, but a hand up so that they really feel, I can handle this. I can do this. I have something to fight for.
0: Welcome to another episode of How Are You Helping?, a podcast that explores this question by bringing in guests who focus on altruism, activism, and giving to their communities with their work, projects, and the causes that they are pioneering. Like our social media platform, the podcast is going to highlight work that benefits communities with various humanitarian needs, animals, and the environment. The topic of today's conversation is on sex trafficking in the Los Angeles community. Today I have the pleasure of introducing Rachel Rowland, the founder of Beloved Beauty, a charitable organization that provides a pathway for victims of the sex industry towards sustainable careers in the beauty and cosmetology industry. Rachel is frequently active with volunteer work. She gives her time to organizations like the Red Eye Empowerment Center, where she encourages young women and children who are in foster care. If you aren't familiar with this organization, it is a successful nonprofit that merges creatives and leaders with humanitarian events in major cities around the world. She is constantly giving her time to important causes whenever they arise, like organizing a relief effort for firefighters during the Woolsey Fire that relatively recently caused enormous destruction in parts of Los Angeles and Ventura counties. I'm sitting with Rachel today to highlight her enormous effort to fight sex trafficking through her organization, Beloved Beauty, and talk about what drove her to this work, what inspires her to make a difference, and what practical tools she has to share with us and get to know her personal side just a little bit. So with all of that being said, it is my absolute honor to have Rachel Rowland, founder of Beloved Beauty, with us today. Rachel, so glad you could join us
1: today. Hi, Sean. Thanks so much for having me.
0: My pleasure. Um, I want to jump in and start off the interview with some questions about the work that you do and then end the interview with some rapid fire questions.
1: Oh, I'm excited. Awesome. All right.
0: Could you um, explain what sex trafficking is and what Beloved Beauty is doing about it?
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, there's been a ton of awareness that's come around within the last 10 years with sex trafficking, but I still meet people that are kind of like, well, I know human trafficking and what exactly it kind of explains itself, but. The big thing that I hear from people is that oh yeah, that's over in other countries in the other part of the world, and yes, it is as well. But it's also right here in our backyards. Um, it's underlining in the commercialized sex industry. It is all over the place. Sex trafficking is, and of course, I'm not going to remember like the exact definition right now, but it's a woman that's within the sex industry that maybe fully doesn't want to be there or was coerced in there, was manipulated, feels that she doesn't have any other choice. And then it is also those stories or things that you see where people are kidnapped and thrown into cars and chained to walls and basements. It's it's very real, and there's a huge spectrum of what it is. Um, But something that I think I always say to people is that no little girl grows up saying, I want to be a prostitute.
0: Definitely. I think that's a great description of it. So you've done a lot of volunteering with organizations working to end sex trafficking in your life. Describe what that looks like for people who are curious about that type of work.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that was that was the first step for me is that when I became interested in wanting to know more about this world, I began Googling other amazing organizations that were already in the fight and doing something to be a part of it. And so I will say it is a sensitive... Area, you know, it's it's sometimes hard to be one on one with such a complex group of men and women that are healing. But there's a lot of ways that you can be involved and and can raise awareness and education and use your voice. And that if you do choose to go through the steps to be hands on with these incredible survivors.
0: Awesome. So now that we have a great idea of what sex trafficking looks like. Um, What are ways that Beloved Beauty is accomplishing that goal of ending sex trafficking?
1: Yeah. Uh, (laughs) It's very easy to get completely overwhelmed with when you think of ending it because it's such a massive, massive thing that's happening and it's growing rapidly. But our heart um, is to work with the women coming out of it. So we want to target South L.A., communities within Watts, Compton, all of that area. I have a huge heart for foster um, care because there's a ton of statistics that talk about that one in four runaways will be approached by a pimp. Like they target these kids because they don't maybe have, or they they have needs that they want met and that's what these pimps do, that they come after um, the vulnerabilities. And so our heart is, sorry, I get distracted because I could go on and on about statistics and the different things, but our heart is to work with women, young girls coming out of sex trafficking, or even women within the commercialized sex industry. You know, there's a huge world within that that they just feel i didn't feel i had any other option and i don't want to be in it you know we want to come alongside them and so what we do is we get them licensed in cosmetology um i really felt that that's an attainable and exciting uh skill and career that they can go into it offers an amazing community of a sisterhood in a different way and i loved the idea of partnering and being able to empower empower as well Everyday women. You know, so many women know about sex trafficking but don't know how to get involved because it is a sensitive subject. And so if I knew that there was a salon or nail place that I could go to get my nails done and support these women, I would for sure go there.
0: That's awesome. That's great. I just love the mission behind your organization and
1: Yeah,
0: that you're taking kind of an unconventional approach towards finding and really empowering and supporting these women in their transition. So I applaud you for that. Thank you. Um, yeah, so you mentioned some community partners. Mm-hmm. Um, what what type of organizations do you partner with, uh, and what do you look for in um, in a partner salon or or something
1: like that? Yeah, that's um, that's another thing is that. Something I heard when I was first starting out or even volunteering with a ton of nonprofits is that they can be very competitive. And that made me really sad because I'm like, wait, if we're all aiming for the same goal, why are we being competitive? And now I completely get it because it's all my blood, sweat, and tears. It's like, don't come near my thing that I've created of trying to save the world. But no, I really want to connect. I want to connect a booming beauty industry that, you know, we have influencers, bloggers, the Kardashians have a million makeup lines. You know, I want to take this world and connect it to these survivors and these women and i also want to partner with other nonprofits that like red eye and they're already down there in watts and in the projects and they are mentoring these kids and loving on them and letting them know that they have worth and that that is my heart you know something that i forgot to mention earlier was that a lot of people don't talk about the revolving door within trafficking or the commercialized sex industry you know and nothing against these nonprofits that offer either a year long recovery program or coming alongside them, but it's incredibly overwhelming for a woman. Her healing process is, they say, the most complicated, um, similar to a war veteran's um, PTSD. She's going through so much, there's usually drug addiction involved. You know, a year of learning life skill sets that she may be missed because a pimp's been controlling everything in her life can become incredibly overwhelming to try to cram into one year. And so we really wanted to offer something that is not a handout, but a hand up so that they really feel I can handle this. I can do this. I have something to fight for.
0: You mentioned Watts Empowerment Center. How did you get involved with them and uh, why?
1: Yeah, so I actually go way back with the founder, Justin. And so the nonprofit that is right now involved in Watts Empowerment Center is Red Eye. And he is incredible. He has been doing this for over 10 years of just showing up to this neighborhood and investing in these kids and mentoring them. And they actually took over the Watts Empowerment Center. And so that's kind of of just become a lighthouse for these kids within that area. And so I had been volunteering with him and known him since my New York days and all of that. Uh, fell in love with that area in the community and what he was doing. And then when I started learning that, you know, those neighborhoods are a high risk and there is a lot of girls that whether it's through family ties within gangs or it's that, oh, it's just this is what we do, I become a prostitute or I do that, or they're being kidnapped from the foster homes in those areas into a very overly saturated sex industry. I wanted to begin partnering not only with mentoring the young girls there, but getting Beloved Beauty involved there.
0: So I am familiar with um, the fact that there was some legislation passed in 2018 uh, regarding the sale of sex online Mm. called the Fight Online Sex Trafficking Act and the Stop Enabling Sex Traffickers Act. Has this legislation been helpful at all? And what advice would you give to lawmakers?
1: Yes, I do remember this. This was the big thing with the shutting down of Backpage, which is a massive, huge outlet for selling and buying of sex. Um, It's tough because without getting too politically political or saying, you know, where I stand, and as I, I always try to understand both sides. That's a way that I am that I just really like to be. For this one, though, I would probably say it has been incredibly helpful, even though there's a ton of people that would come against that and say, no, it hasn't. They're just going to go do it somewhere else. Now the FBI or human trafficking units can't search for girls that are missing that they're looking for. Yes, I understand there's always those small slivers of that it's not helpful. But it was a huge outlet for trafficking. And there, if anything, it slowed it down. It slowed down the amount that these girls were being bought and sold. Um, my advice to them would be to continue fighting for it to stop. To stop, not just, oh, let's help make it a little bit better, but that the overall is to end sex trafficking. And you know what? That's probably gonna take a really big dent within the commercialized sex industry. And a lot of people may not agree with me, but there's a huge underlining wave of sex trafficking within the sex industry. And I would encourage them to take a look at what Sweden's been doing.
0: Can you tell us about what approach Sweden took and like how we could implement that in the U.S.?
1: Yeah. In 2002, they completely criminalized prostitution. So it, Johns, uh, pimps, they get what we would consider a felony charge and they offer help to the women within the industry and their rate of trafficking and just the overall life and culture there has improved in huge amounts.
0: Wow. That's incredible, yeah. So does beloved beauty take a stance on unconsensual sex at all? Like do you ever feel like there's any legitimate sex profession or
1: Ooh, I had a feeling this was gonna come up because yeah. it is, it's a big topic right now, you know. Um, I believe there's even a California politician that is really discussing about legalizing prostitution and this one it's it's tough because I do understand that there are women and there are people and advocates that are saying that well we're not protected because we don't have the legitimacy of that it's a job. I I just have to go against this. You know, I read an amazing blog by Harmony. She's the founder of Treasures, which is a strip club ministry here in Treasures, LA. And she brought up a really good point that usually the ones that are saying, hey, we want it to be legalized is a very small percentage of people within the sex industry. You know, you see blogs and articles all over the internet that are like, how to protect yourself when you're going on a run or with a john." why you know they may not be sane, but because there is there these women that come out of the whether it is um, a high-end escort or a street prostitute or any type of within the sex industry there is a high level in statistics that show um, PTSD anxiety their lifespan it there's just so many areas of it and I guess the other part I would bring up is that where I don't Fully agree with it. I I just would say I'm very much against legalizing prostitution because there's disassociation. You know, when someone goes into something like this, they have to disassociate. So we we always say you know with child sex trafficking or children getting involved. You know, she may have gotten in at 13 or 14, but by the time she's 17, she says she wants to be there voluntarily. You you can't go through something like that without separating. Our goal is to end sex trafficking.
0: How often do you see children in foster care wind up in sex work positions? Is that like a...
1: That's a huge thing. It's it's a huge thing. Um, A couple different resources is one of them is, I believe it's thestory.org. They have some amazing videos and kind of just outlines of how it's all connected. But the statistics show that a woman that gets involved within the sex industry or is trafficked either comes from abusive, I think I don't want to say numbers because I'm like, I'm going to butcher the percentages, but it's very high that they come from either abuse as a child, sexual abuse, um, violent homes, domestic violence. So these predators, pimps, boyfriend pimps, gorilla pimps, all the different types of pimps, they see a need and they fill it. They violate on... That whether she doesn't have a home and she's or she's bouncing from foster home to foster home or she's a runaway, I'm gonna give you the best life ever. I'm gonna, I love you, and they they look for that. And so usually there's a bait and switch. And so foster kids are a huge target because they are um, vulnerable. You know, if yeah. they're runaways or they. They're within the system. On the story, the I think it's thelifestory.org. They one of the one of the women that they interview is she says that she remembers pimps would come in to the group homes looking for girls.
0: Wow, that's yeah, that's crazy. I I heard some statistic that like forty-two percent of people who are recently homeless get approached. Yeah. To become a sex yeah. worker. Yeah,
1: that's it, that. That's the exact same statistic as the runaways or whatever it is. Is they it comes off of a need, a survival, um, and that's what exploits it. And that's where I would then fight that I'm just like I say that no, I don't believe that there's girls that choose to go into this industry and even if there is a sense of that she's chosen there was usually something cracked or broken within the past that led her into that because when you talk to a three to five year old little girl she says she wants to grow up and be a disney princess or a whatever she wants to be but you don't hear that she wants to be a prostitute
0: that's so true i hope you're enjoying this interview with rachel roland founder of beloved beauty I just wanted to say, if you stick around to the end of the interview, we're doing a giveaway and I'll be sharing some closing thoughts. Thank you so much for listening and supporting How Are You Helping? I also want to encourage you to follow our Instagram, where we will be continuing to update you on our activities and our future interviews. So we could go on talking about, like, yeah. you know, these types of things, systemic issues, like, all night long. But instead, let's go ahead and uh, shift gears now. And I want to hear okay. more about, you know, the personal side of you. A great place to start might be, you mentioned you took a couple trips to Thailand and Cambodia. Um, uh, yes. What did you do over there?
1: Oh, yeah, that was amazing. That was actually the start of Beloved Beauty for me is... I had been volunteering within some amazing nonprofits in the L.A. area and was very interested. Um, I forget what was it. Oh, it was a breakup. Went through a breakup and was like, I'm going to travel. I want to go do some missions. And I found this amazing organization called Destiny Rescue that offers trips being able to go over. They have over 20 recovery homes for these girls that they're going into different areas all over Thailand, Cambodia. I think they just started opening up some in India and I decided to go and while I was there it was the moment of whether it was being in the red light districts of Thailand um, seeing girls as young as five in these recovery homes singing Justin Bieber songs with the 10 and 14 year olds that you would never you would never imagine what they came from Um, I had this just life-changing eye-opening moment of where I knew I needed to dedicate the rest of my life to Fighting for this and doing it in the states and bringing awareness to it in the states.
0: Wow, such an incredible story. Where did you grow up? Can you talk about like your college years? What did you major in?
1: Yeah, so (laughs) that is where the shift is. Is that I went to college in New York City. I grew up in Pennsylvania. I've always had a total identity crisis of that. I was born in California, but moved when I was one to the East Coast. My mom's a Cali girl. My dad's an East Coast boy. So I was like, I don't know what I am. In New York, they were like, oh, you're such a Cali girl here in Cali. They're like, oh, you're such an East Coaster. So I'm just going to own both. But I grew up in Pennsylvania. I'm the oldest of six kids. It's a party. Actually, technically eight. Six biological, two adopted. Um, And I went to school in New York City for acting. Since I was little, I was that girl that was like, Mom, I want to be the person singing with Barney. I just always had an entertainer. Mm -hmm. Own the world. This is my stage. And so I was out here in California for six years doing acting before I decided to do a complete life change about three years ago and was like, I'm going to start below beauty. Cambodia and Thailand was a huge part of that.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. That is a huge life change. I'm sure you get to use some of the skills that you learned in in what you're doing now.
1: Yeah, that was something I really had to work through is that I was like, okay, God, like what does any of this have to do with (laughs) like what I've been called to now? Like we couldn't reveal this a little earlier, but I'm a huge believer of that. Every season or path that we've taken, it's used. And I'm not quite sure how it's going to, but I truly do believe that some way, somehow, it will be used.
0: Fantastic. So some of this work that you do um, takes you into more like dangerous places and speaking with people who've been exploited and things like that. uh, What kind of risks does the type of work you do present, and how do you uh, overcome them?
1: Yeah. It's definitely a really tough industry to go within. You know, whether it's when I'm mentoring a girl in the projects and I'm down in that area, my mom's not a fan. You know, she's always worrying about me. Or I dated a police officer a couple years ago and he worked in that area and hated it even more. He didn't want me down there. But for me, it's it's one of, one of my callings. And so, yeah, I am definitely entering into high gang violence areas but I feel called there and I want to be there and yeah you have to be smart you know I don't encourage just anyone to start running down to the streets to do street ministry it's you definitely want to educate yourself and you want to be wise in these areas but before that I was going into strip clubs with treasures and giving girls gift bags Um, if you make a choice to go into these areas that are a little bit harder and that maybe most people turn a blind eye to or just kind of want to be in denial about. Be wise about it. Be wise.
0: Totally. Where did you get that part of yourself that's like so courageous (laughs) and bold to be able to do those things? Like tell me about the why behind your work.
1: Hmm. How did
0: you find purpose and bring meaning into your life?
1: Wow. Okay, there's so many different layers to that. First, answer the first part of that, where did it come from, yeah. I would say it comes from my dad. Um, I grew up, you know, homeschooled the first half of my life before I went to public high school. But I grew up with my dad just taking us cliff jumping, walking across old railroad bridges. Like, he just, he was just that adventurous dad. And so he instilled that in me. And he also instilled my love for um, the vulnerable. You know, we, growing up, we didn't live in the best neighborhood and there was four of us at the time or whatever, but he would still choose to make extra macaroni and cheese so that he could feed all the neighborhood kids or my brother's friends and just love on whoever was in that neighborhood and that their moms weren't home or whatever it was. And so I definitely got that, that love for people from him, uh, as well as the adventurous, <laughs> courageous spirit. The why, um, That one is a very (laughs) loaded, long question, but I guess the short version would be I grew up a pastor's daughter and so I was extremely sheltered and then for about eight years of my life I lived a very promiscuous lifestyle Um, and I was like a lot of the girls that you might hear that it's a choice to go into is that I felt that I was empowered by my sexuality. I was um, enticed by the lure of all of it, but when you really get down to the root of that its enslavement. I was never a stripper or a prostitute and didn't that's not part of my story, but I very much identify and connect with the shame. I you know, I joke and I know you made your announcement that this isn't kid-based, but I joke that I was just a prostitute without getting paid. You know, I searched to find love in all the wrong places and I would never compare my story or my testimony to what these women have gone through but for me there was a huge passion in my own walk of finding the empowerment not through sexuality and finding love through community and my faith and wanting to offer that within the healing process of these women that are coming out of an incredibly hard set of circumstances in their life.
0: What would you say to someone who's looking to develop their confidence, like a woman who Mm is in a hand up?
1: Wow. Um, I would tell her to start with herself. Um, I think we so often try to find our confidence and our worth in exterior, in outside things, and that it starts within us. It starts with something that I really struggled with was self-love. You know, I was very performance based. I felt that I had to earn my love. It was I, I couldn't just accept it. Um, so to start with herself and a community, a community that builds you up and really truly is pioneering for you and encouraging you. And lastly, you know, if whether you're faith based or not, that was that was a huge huge game changer for me. Was finding that unconditional love within Christ. Um, And I would encourage that.
0: Awesome. That's great. How did you encourage others to work through their trauma when they were in the middle of it?
1: Oh, that's a tough one. Um, It's a very... I think the tough thing is it's a broad answer is that there's so many different outlets and just like there's different personalities. You know, this one way might not work for someone else, but... um, the first thing I encourage people to do is awareness and not stuff. I think so much within our culture is to just ignore and go into denial and stuff. And, you know, there's studies that even show, like, as when abuse happens to us as children, we can literally black it out. So we just didn't even know that it happened. But what we don't realize is that when we stuff or try to ignore something, it grows and develops outcomes in other areas of our lives that we may not even be realizing of that for me you know whether it was my own personal learning disabilities as a child and not feeling good enough i then stuffed that and tried to find love within men i had you know and if i would have looked back and told you that oh wait hold on i'm doing this or that that because i was sexually abused as a young girl that that sexuality and that innocent innocence had been stolen that then as I got older I was trying to find the empowerment in it because it wasn't something sacred to me it's it's connecting the dots of usually the choices that we're making now have been affected by something that's happened to us in the past and so um I guess my biggest thing of advice for someone healing through trauma would be to find people you trust um you know, women are verbal processors, or most of us. You know, not everybody, but most are verbal processors. And and finding the people that are really going to be there for us and not use it against us. That's great. Um, oh, and sorry, one other thing. Community. Community is huge. Um, sometimes the battle is within our mind, is that we're trying to change the way we've been thinking for so many years. You need people and community around you to help break that. So that when I was self loathing or not having self love or care, I had an amazing group of women that came around me and were like, No, Rach, you're incredible. Amazing, where's your confidence? And I like had them that they had faith when I didn't have faith.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, it's a great thing to be able to have like, you know, that strong support system around you and helping you, you know, to really fulfill your, your life's work and your mission. So that's great that you found that and you're able to um, pass that on to others. Uh, what film has most changed your life or your perspective on life?
1: Okay, personally or career-wise, because personally it would be *Miscongeniality*. Um, that is one of my all-time favorite movies and. I think seeing that movie as a young girl, I've always kind of been quirky, weird, make funny faces, and so just seeing her be completely herself and own that, uh, really just really embrace something within myself. Um, as for career-wise, I would probably say all the incredible documentaries that these companies have been making to bring awareness to sex trafficking and human trafficking, and that was what started all of it for me is I remember – years ago i saw a documentary that i remember thinking this is a terrible feeling i hate this but is this really happening within the states i can't remember i think it was like some undercover special that they were talking about it within massage parlors but it was in the states and it, it sparked that fire within me that then caused me to want to search out more which then led me to finding nonprofits within the area to volunteer with and then most recently um, I think it was Netflix's Hot Girls Wanted. And that's, you know, not specifically sex trafficking. It's the porn industry. But they followed three girls that were supposedly by choice entering into the porn industry. And it showed their where they came from, their past, their life, and then their current as they went through it. And I just remember I was, I was completely wrecked by it. It, it. it just completely broke my heart.
0: So what's like the strangest thing that has happened to you on your journey towards uh, founding a nonprofit? <laughs> Do you remember anything in, in particular? I don't know.
1: Strangest? I have <laughs> adventures for days. Um, but strangest, I don't know if it would be considered strangest. I guess it would just be a a very interesting turn that I think really helped shape and define why I was doing what I was doing is that, you know, when I decided to start Below Beauty and I was still shaping the idea of what I wanted to be and I wanted a safe house, but just really um, diving into the details of it. When I began bouncing the idea around different people to just get their feedback and what they thought, you know, some of the feedback I got was, well, okay, why a cosmetology degree? Like, why not a four-year college degree? And I remember... The first time I got asked it, it shook me to my core that I'm like, oh my gosh, why not? What if they want to be doctors and nurses or whatever it is? And it helped define and remind me of what I'm doing. I come from a history of that when I was in the acting industry, I was also a makeup artist. And so I love the makeup industry. And it was an industry for me that, even with my learning disabilities and not having whatever you want to call a real degree, having an acting degree, I never felt looked down upon. I never felt that I wasn't smart enough. It was a very safe and empowering community for me that I actually really did build myself up the ladder of the cosmetology world. And... I also then learned that there are some amazing nonprofits out there that are offering four-year degrees and that if the girl has that goal and wants to go after that, then Saving Innocence or Treasures or whoever it may be will come alongside her and offer that. But what Beloved Beauty is going to do is offer a cosmetology degree.
0: Yeah, I like how you uh, are taking that kind of unconventional approach and that you're willing to partner with these other organizations as well in the community so that you're really tackling this this problem like full on with with lots of options out there for these victims yeah that's great what's the greatest obstacle or challenge that you have faced personally or professionally
1: Hmm. um personally you know as I stated earlier is my learning disabilities you know I grew up homeschooled and then when I went to high school and being homeschooled was the greatest thing ever. I look back at it and I even remember telling my mom that I'm like, why are some of these homeschooling kids so weird? Because our family was not like that. Like it was just really fun. We did horseback riding, um, rock climbing. We went to Williamsburg, Virginia to do our studies of Williamsburg and all of that. And so, or colonial history, whatever it's called. Um, but when I got to high school, that's when they began doing testing of that, oh, she's not just a little bit behind the learning curve. She actually has a lot of learning disabilities. And that, for me, became a label for quite a while. You know, just made me believe that I wasn't very smart. And so almost failing out of high school, um, I finally hit a stage in my life where I shed that label of what I thought I was and began owning who I am and what I bring to the table. And that what I bring to the table may not be the greatest book smarts in the world, but I bring what I bring to the table and that is needed. Um, And so that's just probably kind of led into Beloved Beauty of that there was many times that when I was starting it, I was like, I can't do this. I'm not the girl to do this. I have an acting degree. What the heck am I doing? And had to just kind of each step know that I can do this. And it just maybe takes me a little extra time of researching something or preparing or educating myself and owning that it's part of my purpose.
0: What do you love the most about helping others?
1: Um, The joy it brings. I think overall the true happiness it brings. I think as a culture and a society we become very self-reflected. It can become all about us and it can become woe is me or FOMO or whatever it is or I don't have enough followers. When you're helping someone else, you're putting your attention and your priority on someone else. And I do think there's balance, you know, because I'm also the queen of burnout. But (laughs) putting, (laughs) putting your attention and love onto someone else brings you the type of fulfillment and joy that, I just I don't think you can find anywhere else.
0: All right. Well, then let's dive into a couple of questions about how your leadership style works. What are three of the items that you prioritize the most uh, within your value system that may you know be valuable to some of our listeners?
1: I guess three, the first one would be humility. I always try to walk with humility. I don't ever want to be, have that place of that I know best, my way is the best way or the highway or whatever you want to call it. I try to always walk with humility that I can learn something from somebody else. I can grow in some way. Second, I think I would say my faith. You know, I know I keep bringing it back to that, but that was a huge game changer in my life of that I took it off myself and what I wanted and what my purpose and calling is. You know, we, it kind of brings us back to what we were talking about of my purpose of that it's not all about me and it's not about me just living a life to fulfill here for me. There's more to it. I have a calling and I have a purpose and it kind of takes the pressure off <laughs> of having to feel like you have to obtain something and so with status, I guess. And so it brings me to just loving people well. Um, third one... Have fun. I think have fun. I'm guilty of it myself. I sometimes get so caught up in what I want to do and how I want to change the world, and I forget to just enjoy the moments and be present and, and love the journey. You know, I think we so often look for, oh my gosh, this is where I want to be. This is what I want to get to. This is my goal. If I could just be here, if I could just be married, whatever it is, if I could just have a million dollars, enjoy where you're at. Enjoy the journey because you only go through the journey once. So,
0: yeah, totally. Life is short and there's so many things that we want to do that don't really matter that much. Yeah, Yeah, let's definitely enjoy the process of it. And yeah, that's great. That's great advice. What are some like practical steps that you've taken to enhance your everyday life?
1: Well, that's tough because I'm still currently working on it. I'm a total night owl. And when I was in the acting industry, that was fine because I could just be up till two in the morning studying my script. But also as I get older and I near my thirties, I'm not as productive in the evening. You know, it's hard that I I want to become more of a morning person. I know that I'm sharper and I get things done and I got that coffee kit going on. So personally, currently, right now working on becoming more of a morning person. But some of the other things that I've done was working out, I... You know, I'm not that person that's ever going to have that six-pack abs going on, but I also love to eat. But I really learned that working out for me helped with my stress, helped with just balancing out as a woman my hormones. It just released those natural endorphins. It was a huge part of my life of realizing that, you know, I don't always have to go in and do a three-hour weight session, but just getting out and going for a walk or a hike and staying active and staying moving um, was really important. And community. I would say community became a huge part, good community, you know, whether it's that you find it within a church or a group or a hobby, um, community became a huge part of my life of that, you know, we can't always be on and perfect all the time. It just, no matter how much we want to be, we have our bad days, we have our Eeyore days where we're just like, and community is a good thing to have around us to remind us that it's an off day and it's not who you are and we're going to get up and move forward.
0: That's great. Looking at like life as a whole, how should we view what we are put on earth to do?
1: Hmm. Without going too ultra-spiritual, which I am and I could, I think it's purpose. And I've said it many, many times is that you have to have purpose. I feel like if we lose purpose, then what is the point? So whatever you want to find or however you want to begin moving towards the process of what your purpose is, but you need to have a purpose. And I find that people that usually have a purpose that is outside themselves, those are the people that we meet that you really want to be around. They are like, what is it they have? Um, And for me, it was, you know, my faith. I got my faith right, and I really felt that God was like, I want you to fight for my daughter's. And I want you to not make it all about you. And through that, you're going to be truly blessed because the skill set, how I've made you, who you are is needed within this. And so I think it helps us own who we are truly and see, you know, we all have a special skill set. We all have quirks or things that we're either really good at or that make us us and finding. And some that we sometimes have to work a little harder to really hone but find what you're passionate about. Find what that purpose is and do something about it.
0: That's great. All right. Well, I think that's a great place to end those types of questions. Now yep. I'd like to jump into some rapid fire questions really quick and just get your oh gosh, okay. response to these uh, questions here. All right. What is the best piece of advice that anyone has ever given you?
1: Ooh. Um, I had a mentor when I was, first first really digging into starting below beauty i don't even think i had it named below beauty yet but he was a salon owner in pasadena and i actually met him through volunteering with another nonprofit and i was kind of just sharing with him and i knew he had done some work in some other areas and Clearly had an idea of what he was doing because he owned his own salon and is a celebrity hairstylist, by the way. He kills it. Nico was amazing. He came to me, um, and I was sharing with him all the different things I wanted to do and outlines, and he really explained to me the Nike outline. That he had said, you know, what Nike did best was they decided that they were only going to be sneakers. And he goes, even when everyone else started doing, like, oh, let's do wedges and let's do dress shoes, like, they stuck to, we're going to do sneakers – And what he encouraged me on to is he says, Rach, you're going to want to change and save the whole world. But you got to pick one area and choose to save and work on the change in that area and do it well.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Definitely. I think that will definitely land with some people and probably change their lives and their ability to be successful. So thank you for sharing that Mm -hmm. with us. Uh, Let's see. Uh, What city did you grow up in?
1: Um, technically Claymont, Delaware, which is near Wilmington but then when I was in high school we moved out to Avondale, Pennsylvania which was like in the middle of nowhere so I went from growing up in the suburbs to country land and it was very fun but I was like, what the heck
0: <laughs> Alright, um, where did you go to college and what was your major?
1: Um, I went to school in New York City and my major was film and television
0: Awesome um, What book are you most likely to recommend to someone?
1: Oh, that's a tough one. I am like the queen of self-help books. Uh, I would say, too, that I really, really, unashamed by Christine Kane, changed my life. And recently, The Burden is Light by John Tyson, which talks about being performance-based and just learning to be okay resting within not having to perform. And feel like we do a bunch of things. And so that one wrecked me. and was really good.
0: Uh, and what is the number one trait of a leader?
1: Ooh. I don't know how I'd word this, but I guess not forced. Like, you know, you see those people that, like, want to be a leader and so they try to, like, force their way into being the leader. But I think the number one, I guess following. Like, that they naturally inspire a group or people to follow them because they inspire them.
0: That's great. Um, and what is the last uh, selfless thing that you have done for someone else?
1: <laughs> oh, that's tough. Um I don't know. That's weird. I don't know. I don't want to be like, here's my own horn. I am tooting my own horn or whatever they call it. I currently am mentoring an inner city girl through a partnering nonprofit that needed to move on. And so I've been taking time each week to drive about an hour to her to spend time with her. And I have been combing through Craigslist and offer up like crazy this week, trying to find her a punching bag at an affordable price for her birthday.
0: Wow, that's very cool. I really admire like that you go out and you do those things for those people, and and just like out of nothing, but your commitment to serving them and being generous towards them. So that's really beautiful. I like that. It's my honor as well. Who's your biggest hero?
1: Ooh, not to like sound like a rapper, but like God. Seriously, um, that guy seriously just did such a work in my heart. Like. I know I have friends that have known me ten years to ten years, and they're like, it's black and white. And then people that currently know me, they're like, we can't even imagine you like that. And I'm like, trust me, she was a hot mess. <laughs> um, but like, someone actually currently, I would, I know this is so cliche, but I would say my parents. You know, my mom has given me the charisma and passion for life that I have, and my dad has given me my heart to love people and adventurous spirit.
0: Wonderful. How can listeners get involved and uh, get connected with your organization?
1: Oh, that would be amazing. Um, we have a website that we just finished, or we're still wrapping up a couple of things, but we have a website, Um, And there's a ton of different ways, whether it's awareness, starting something on if you're an influencer or if you're in school. Uh, we also have we don't have any fun things of like going out and doing street ministry or anything like that just yet, hopefully in the future, but anyone that wants to get involved and dive into a startup, you know, we are technically a startup organization. And so whether it's wanting to come in and being like, I have an idea for a campaign or I want to help with your social media because you don't know what you're doing, (laughs) rage. So yeah, there's tons and tons of ways, or if they just have questions and want to chat and learn more about this industry, they can, my emails on there and you guys can reach out to me.
0: So cool. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for uh, spending time with us today. And Thanks uh, for having yeah, me. Really appreciate it. All right. So my last question is, um, are there any nuggets of wisdom or um, pieces of advice that you'd like to pass on to my listeners?
1: Hmm. I guess be yourself. I know that's so like PBS kids, but seriously, be yourself because no one else can be. Or what is it? Dr. Seuss. <laughs> um and own it. You know, there's such a, a beauty with confidence. And it's contagious, you know. Yeah. You encourage other people to own who they are when you are yourself and there's no one else like you. And lastly, I would say if you're passionate about something, do it. Do it. You know, there's so many things that people are like, "Oh, don't do that because it's so this." Or we just live in this scary cautious place sometimes in society, and I would say go after it and do it and go after it with all your heart
0: wow totally all right well thanks again for spending this time with us today i really appreciate it thanks for having me absolutely hey guys thanks so much for tuning in i just want to send a special thank you out to eunice mckinney houston bradley alexandra benheim and weston st james it wouldn't have been possible without their help so thank you to each of you for your generous contributions to this podcast I really hope that this conversation with Rachel sparked your interest in sex trafficking if you aren't already part of the fight. So please, if you enjoyed this podcast, please feel encouraged to share this podcast with family and friends. And to top it off, I'm giving away copies of three books. Half the Sky, Turning Oppression into Opportunity for Women Worldwide by Nicholas Kristof and Cheryl Wu Dunn, a book written by two Pulitzer Prize winners covering stories of sex slaves from developing countries like Cambodia, Ethiopia, and Zimbabwe. The second book is called Sex Trafficking, Inside the Business of Modern Slavery by Siddharth Kara. Kara is the first fellow on human trafficking with the Kennedy School of Government at Harvard, and a portion of the proceeds gets donated back to an anti-slavery organization. And the third book is called Doing Good Better by William MacAskill, a co-founder of the Effective Altruism Movement. I'm giving away one of these three books to the first three people to share this post on their Instagram stories. Just tag at howareyouhelping and post about us in your Instagram story or feed, and the first three people to do that will receive a copy of one of these books sent directly to your mailbox. Again, just tag at H-O-W-A-R-E-Y-O-U-H-E-L-P-I-N-G. How Are You Helping?, and post about us in your Instagram feed or story, and the first three people to do that will receive a copy of one of these books sent directly to your door. Lastly, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please post a positive review on Apple Podcasts. It would mean a great deal to us to get the word out to as many people as possible, and reviews are the best way of helping us find new listeners. And of course, thank you all so much for
1: listening.